Hello and welcome to Heart Surgery for Guinea Pigs. This podcast is about ordinary people who have agreed to be my guinea pigs as they discuss with me a particular issue of the heart and how they've discovered God in unexpected places. Today I'm spending time with Caris Obireade, whose youngest child was diagnosed with cancer at the age of 20 months. So grab yourself a coffee and a comfy bench and lean in. It's great to have you with us today in this morning's surgery. Hi Caris, that's good to have you with us. I know that you're not not very keen, you weren't very keen initially and even now you're a bit apprehensive about talking to me. Um, I wonder if you can tell me a little bit about that. You can say how awful it was the first time we did it. <laughs> uh, so we had a go at recording this a few weeks ago and um, it was traumatising, not because of the subject, just because of the sheer um, <laughs> time you spent on it and just the outcome was just <laughs> like a car crash. <laughs> it was. So, so that, that, that's the, the newest thing. Um, prior to that, I just felt um, that I, I didn't want to do it and come across as if there, that I had to sort of a monopoly on on suffering or anything like that. Um, I know so many people at the moment who are having such real and difficult struggles and really experiencing some painful things. So um, I just didn't want to put a spotlight on myself as someone who particularly had that. Yeah, I can understand that. So, so what made you change your mind then? Mm-hmm. Apart from me putting it, how you changed my mind? <laughs> Apart from me holding your arm up your back. Um, I suppose it was just a real sense of the need to remember and look back on what God has done and his faithfulness in, a, in an unexpected um, season in our lives. Okay, that sounds great. So here on um, Heart Surgery for Guinea Pigs, one of the things we like to do with our guests, or guinea pigs as we like to call them, is we like them to... Um, describe their world and um, the people that are in their lives as if they were a park bench. Um, So I just wondered if you could uh, tell me a little bit about what sort of bench you'd be and how you would describe it and who would be the significant people who would be sitting there with you. I would be a chocolate bench with wings um, because I always have itchy feet and as a family we travel for work um, so we're both teachers and we travel around to different places to teach and those people that would be sitting there with with me would be my husband Remy, um, my children Kofi who will be nine soon, Cersei who will be eight soon and Kenji who will be two soon. Gosh you've got a lot of birthdays coming up there. Yeah, they're all all their birthdays are six weeks apart. <laughs> oh my goodness, you did that well. Yeah. Um, a chocolate bench. I don't suppose there'd be if you ate it, there wouldn't be much of it left. That's very true. <laughs> so maybe it'd just be have wings then. <laughs> oh, that's great. I love that. I love that piece of the interview. It's always helpful in sort of a setting to let us um, get get to know you better. So, I I think you must have had quite a journey the last seven months. Can you tell us um, a little bit about Kenji, um, your little boy's health problems? and? Yeah. So um, in November, when we were living in Oman, we found a large tumour on his kidney. At the time, we didn't know it was his kidney, and we just could 
just knew it was in that sort of abdomen area um we packed up we were living in oman as i said we packed up and we moved back home to the uk within 24 hours um then after numerous hospital visits he had a nine hour surgery um to remove the tumor which was 1.2 kg and at this point he was only 14 months um his adrenal gland and a slice of his liver um well that was removed as well yeah his adrenal gland okay um and he was diagnosed with cystic nymphoma in the week before christmas um and cystic nymphoma is actually a benign tumor um but then this was linked to a genetic mutation called dice one which means you're more vulnerable um to having tumors um and particular cancers between the age of zero and eight um he tested positive for DICE-1 mutation and then because of this they had found a lung cyst when they were doing the CT scan on his original tumour um, and because of the DICE-1 um, they wanted to remove the lung cyst so they did that and that was a four hour surgery um, which then led to him being diagnosed in March 2022 as having a very rare lung cancer that had regressed. Goodness me. So you were just going on leading a normal life, if you can lead a normal life, over in Oman. I don't know much about the place. Um, and this suddenly brought you back to the UK. So you must have had um, quite a journey and at times it must have been quite dark and difficult and your heart must have taken quite a battering. What sort of emotions have you felt over the last, what, eight months or so? Um, and how have you expressed them and worked through those? Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's definitely been a roller coaster of emotions. Obviously, um, the obvious ones are the, the sheer shock of the situation when mm. you're just carrying on living your life normally. Um and then, you know, you, you take them to the doctors and you just, you know, you always assume that it's not going to be the worst. And at that time it was the worst. It, was, it, it appeared to be the worst. Um, they're always, you know, any word, any feeling associated with tumour is always that deep fear. Um, you know, we all have, know someone who's died of cancer or been touched by cancer and, and we know the 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 road that that takes in terms of chemo so obviously there's always that fear and that anticipation um and anxiety around what's to come and stepping into the unknown um your mind always goes to the darkest place and the worst place mm -hmm. um but at the same time there has been times where there has been peace um there has been a sense of being able to walk through it um yeah and and there has been times of of, of peace in uncertainty okay peace so peace where would that peace have was that a peace how what brought that peace about um oh well, i i want i believe that that um the peace it was a peace that surpasses all understanding especially when you look at the circumstances and the situation mm. um so i firmly believe that that peace came from god um in, in those difficult times um yeah, wow. Many people would have, who'd been through this experience would have said there can't be a God if this had happened. 
how can you still believe that there's a God, even though all of this, these things have happened and the relative trauma, really, that you've all been through as a family? Um, I, th- I think my actual reaction is I don't, I don't think I could have got through this without knowing that there's a God. Um, I think when you walk through something like that um, and there's all sorts of different types of suffering and pain and grief that, you know, result in this, but I think it gives you an almost like tinted glasses to see suffering in others more acutely. Um, and it's like you join a club that no one wants to be a membership, like a member to, um, and then suddenly you have like a filter on life where you really see how much like sorrow there is and how much heartache there is and how much there there is like how much pain there is in in everyone's life everyone's got a source of of pain um and that sounds morbid and it is morbid um but i think the thing is i just think thank goodness that there is hope that one day that this suffering won't be the tune that we live to um and just thank goodness that there is there's more to this and you can't have that outside of God um and that actually there's a promise of of heaven through Jesus and where there won't be a single tear shed so I think actually life outside like aside from God is actually a much harder place to be when when you when you go through things like this okay so the tinted glasses are what you have before this situation happens like this. Is that what you're saying, the rose-tinted glasses? No, I think the, the tinted glasses just help you see the suffering in, in, a, in a completely different way. And, and actually, it's almost like you've put on like 3D glasses and you're getting a much clearer picture yeah. of the world. Okay. I thought you've done yeah. your absolute classic, Karis, well. which is put rose-tinted as the opposite <laughs> to what you really... <laughs> This is another one of getting lost in the urethra instead of the ether. I can just see this coming. So what you're saying is... There'll probably be a few more of those. Yeah, I know. This is one of your things. So what you're actually saying is when you suffer, you you actually have 3D glasses on and you can see other people's suffering more acutely. Yeah. And with, with... Yeah. And you can see it and you can, you know... A bit like when you wear 3D glasses in the cinema, you feel like you're... Yeah. It's that there and you're a part of it and I think that's what it's like when you walk through suffering you feel other people suffering with a a new feeling and emotion that you didn't have before yeah maybe and the rose tinted glasses are what you have before because rose tinted glasses are what you see what you have before you go to Specsavers my dear right I'm with you I thought this might occur (laughs) oh that's what I love about you I knew you'd be good to interview (laughs) Okay, so as I'm sitting here listening to you as a fellow creature and a human being, I mean, I can feel my own emotional response to your story. Do you think God, do you think God knows about our suffering? Um, And do you think it matters to him? Yeah, I I wholeheartedly believe that we are seen by God. Um, My experience tells me that he meets us in those dark places um, so it's not that disaster doesn't come, uh, it does, it doesn't make you immune from suffering or things that happen that are, you know, and not as you would want them to be, um, but yes, disaster comes, but it doesn't overwhelm us, um, I can think of a few, uh, quick examples, um, in my first hospital stay, um, it was midwinter here, it was November, um, and I'd just been living in a very, very, very hot climate, um, and I just had the dry skin, like it was real, like the battle was real. And 
my legs were so incredibly itchy. Um, how they get in winter, I think, for most people, just really, really itchy. Mm. And we'd only just come back um, to the UK and we had one bank card and that was actually with Remy. Um, and he wasn't allowed to be on the ward. Like when I was staying in the ward, I, I, I didn't get to see him. Um, and I had a little bit of money in cash. And I checked to see if I had enough coins um, to buy some moisturiser in the in the hospital shop. But I actually couldn't get to the hospital shop because I couldn't leave Kenji. Um, because yeah, that's a whole other story. And um, and I like he'd just gone to sleep, and I just managed to walk in to the parent room. Like the only time I'd managed to walk into the parent room in my whole stay, and there was this massive, massive cardboard box sitting on the table. And um, I just thought, oh, I'll just have a look and see what's in there. And it was full of little gift moisturiser. And I mean, full of it. And there was absolutely nothing else. Uh, and it was almost like that had been prepared ahead of time. Mm. Because that was actually something that I, I, I needed. Um, and it was almost like a, I've seen you, I've seen what your needs are. And... I don't want this disaster to overwhelm you. So actually, here's a little, you know, a little bit of encouragement along the way. Um, My husband, I can think of one example for him. Um, We, it's within that 24-hour period of packing up and leaving. And we had to leave our jobs. And when you work overseas, your job, your house, your source of income um, is all tied up together. So by coming back to the UK, we lost everything um and we were gifted some money by our our church home group who who felt that 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 they wanted to gift us some money um and it it sounds really bizarre but Remy counted it three times because he was paying it into the account and it was in royale instead of pounds obviously and so he counted it three times and he said he can't really tell you why he counted it three times but he counted it three times and as he paid it into account, into the account, he literally saw the amount exceed what he had counted by a thousand pounds. And there is no rhyme or wow. reason or explanation um, for that. But that was something that a re- like yeah, he needed a little something so that disaster didn't overwhelm him. Um, in exactly the same way, I needed that moisturizer just to just kind of have a little bit of hope in the situation. Yeah, they're very personal things. I mean, um, on this programme, we talk about God in the unexpected. And um, what I'm hearing here is that it's unexpected big things. I mean, to have money put in your account. And obviously that probably makes a difference to the, you know, often um, those that have been the main breadwinners would be thinking money, 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 you know, whereas, uh, you know, um, maybe you as a, a... um, a wife and mother even though you're working you're more focused focused on the children yeah. so that's a big thing and then a and then a moisturizer for god to have put those um you know inspired somebody to put those moisturizers and just moisturizers in that basket ahead of time is really must have made you feel that he, he did care yeah yeah absolutely yeah and, and actually it was it was just what I needed at that at that time, and it just spoke directly to my heart. So yeah, yeah. you felt seen. So you're saying really that God is very involved in your life, and He does really care about you. How would you say He communicates to you? 
yeah, I, 100%, I think God communicates with us in, in lots of ways. Um, through the Bible, that's a huge way that God communicates with us. That's mm. how we understand his heart for us, his heart for creation, his heart for redemption. Um, I think God communicates with us through prayer. Um, I think sometimes, you know, just in, in the act of prayer, um, we, we understand God better and we know God better and we move closer to God. Um and yeah, the Bible definitely speaks directly into into my life, and and you know it speaks into anyone's life who opens it. Um, however, talking about the past eight months, I think there's there's two um, hu- like two key ways that I can definitely feel that God has communicated with us. Um, I think the first one, which kicked this all off, was the conviction to take. Kenji to the hospital um it was 9 30 at night it was a Tuesday we'd been to work on a Monday it was like midweek we were going to work um the next day we were in our pajamas I was in bed when I was watching the football I think I was scrolling or I was about to do some something on the laptop and um out of nowhere I had a complete conviction that I had to take him to hospital um and there is no rhyme or reason. I was laughing and joking with Remy one minute and then literally the next minute I came out and I was in floods of tears saying, we have to take Kenji to the hospital and we have to take him now. Um, some people have asked me if that was mother's intuition or have attributed it to mother's intuition, but I can firmly say there was no mother's intuition there. It was a complete, utter, unexplainable conviction from nowhere. Um so that's one way that I feel but there's but there's another side of God communicating with us and I think it's um God of the silence you know from it this started in November and we didn't actually have a diagnosis for Kenji till mid-April um we didn't really know what we were dealing with the whole way along they were like it could be this it could be that we'd kind of get an answer for something but then it would throw up something else um and there was a particular period sort of like February March um where there was just silence there was you know like I said we'd lost our house we'd lost our jobs um we'd come back to England with nothing uh, apart from four or five suitcases um and we wanted to buy a house but there was literally no house out there to buy um and we'd make offers on houses and for no rhyme or reason we wouldn't get them um Remy didn't have Remy had a short-term job and there was no conversation about that extending he'd applied to other jobs and he hadn't heard back from them um and we just had no idea what the future held and there was a period where you know God was was silent in that there was there didn't feel like there was any any breakthrough um so I think there's you know that there's two ways that actually maybe aren't so obvious to to people how God communicates with us yeah but that silence obviously meant something I mean um, people could have interpreted that as him not caring but you seem to suggest that there's something more to that silence as well that just because he's not saying something doesn't mean that he doesn't care yeah and I mean I'm you know I'm not God and I don't want to explain like Mm. give reason for what that is but God was silent, but he wasn't uninterested or not bothered or anything like that. It was just there was something about in the waiting and in the trusting that we needed to walk through. Um, And actually, it 
was a good reminder that actually we can give everything over to God and God will work out his purposes even in the silence and actually sometimes it's just a just a case of just waiting and still being able to say hallelujah even in that moment of absolute silence and uncertainty and like just what is my life yeah do you could you still feel his presence with you um yeah I wouldn't say that I'd particularly felt his presence. Like mm. I can think of other times sort of in the peak of the absolute Yeah, like the the peak of it all, like the the operations and the C T scans and the diagnoses and the meetings. Mm. You know, I can think of more. Um so it wouldn't necessarily I didn't feel his presence, but also I don't think because it was a period of silence that I was particularly seeking his presence out as well because I was a bit like, what is, what is this? So, yeah. yeah. What does it mean? Yeah, yeah, and like, what is going on and how much longer am I going to have to wait and where's the breakthrough? Um, so, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So would you, I mean, have you ever asked why us? Um, yes, but probably not in the way that you would think. So it's been more of a, like why us in terms of why did we see Kenji's cancer regress? Why was Kenji one of the lucky ones that didn't have to have chemo? Why, you know, was our family's membership in that club quite a short period of time, which was stressful, but actually, you know, when you think of some of the other children that you're aware of, actually this is this is the road is much longer and a much more of an uphill battle. And it's it's really hard to hold the fact that you are so relieved that Kenji's cancer regressed and he didn't have to have chemo alongside the fact that actually, yeah, others uh, others don't have that story and that testimony to give. Um, so I think it's that, that feeling of complete not deserving, um, knowing that it's nothing that we did and it's definitely not about our faith and it is just completely, yeah, nothing not attributed to us and actually that's what God has ordained for this period in Kenji's life. Um, But it's not because of us or because of our faith. So his his cancer in the lung regressed and he didn't have to have any chemo. So how is he now? Is he he healed? Is he out of the woods? How would you describe that? Um, I mean, if you looked at Kenji, you would never know. I mean, he is the, he's got the strongest will we call him like the little dictator in the family because of, of how he is. Um, I mean, he's not even two and he walked two miles the other day, like without any persuasion or anything like that. He's very um, headstrong. And I suppose it's, he's healthy now. Um, and he, I suppose it's very similar to remission. He's in remission now. He has no cancer now or, and that, but um you know, there is, as with cancer, there's always a risk of, of actually it, it coming back. Um, and because he has got this gene, which we don't really know that much about, there is a possible chance that he develops another form of that tumour cancer. Um, so he's okay. Like, he's he's in good health now. Mm. Um, and we hope that that will, will be the case. Um, but who, who, you know... 
Mm-hmm. It, it's true, and that's true for everyone, isn't it? We're all in good health until we're not. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's. No, I guess what you're saying is there's no guarantees. So, yeah. how about the rest of you, and what's the next step um, for you? Sort of the next year for you and the rest of the family. Yeah. So those wings started itching again, and those <laughs> feet started going. And ironically, despite the packing up in 24 hours and being on the other side of the world with a medical team that couldn't treat Kenji. Um, we're actually packing up our I'm actually started packing today two suitcases are are done um, and we're actually moving back overseas again so we're moving to southern Thailand um, the five of us um, and we're going to carry on where we left off you know living overseas because that's what we really believe that God has for us um, and trying to manage Kenji's new diagnosis or condition within within that gosh so okay so you're going to be moving to thailand you said yes yeah and um the all his hospital care where will that be managed um so if all goes to plan bangkok children's cancer center and like we you know we said like his the tumor's gone but he's still got the the mutation in his gene so he still has to be monitored like really regularly um with ct scans and x-rays and all these other things that actually I didn't even know were a thing. Um, so, um, yeah, and that will be until he's, he's eight. And then suddenly he gets to eight and all the, all the big nasties aren't really a thing anymore because it's just mm. to do with childhood, early childhood. Yeah. Well, we wish you every luck, uh, every, well, maybe that's not what I should say to somebody who believes in God, but um, we, we miss you wish you every good wish in your new your new life um thanks ever so much for overcoming your reluctance i hope it hasn't persisted too much (laughs) hope you'd feel happy maybe to come on again probably not unless i paid you loads of chocolate Um, thanks ever so much though for sharing your heart with us today and on heart surgery for guinea pigs we always ask our guinea pigs two final questions so the first one is, lots of park benches are memorials to people's lives and they have an inscription on them that their families have written. What do you think will be written on your chocolate bench with wings? I cannot take any credit for this. This has been said to me numerous times by <laughs> numerous people who know me, uh, particularly one like friend, a really good friend of mine, and... Um, I'm constantly told by that I fly by the seat of my pants Um, but apparently not everybody else does so (laughs) although I'm super chilled by it it actually stresses other people out Um, just just yeah that's absolutely brilliant so you're going to have um, yes I'm flying by the seat seat of my my pants pants, but but not not everyone else does (laughs) that's absolutely brilliant one Oh dear. Well, it certainly sounds as if you're flying by the seat of your pants. Do you feel like that going off to Thailand? Um, yeah, I have moments of complete, what on earth are we doing? Um, but I don't think that, that would be uncommon in a situation after what we've just experienced. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah definitely. Okay, so the very last thing is we have a guinea pigs hall of fame. And we invite guests to tell us the funniest thing they have done or could be famous for. Would you like to submit your entry? 
I have a funny feeling there was quite a few you could have submitted. Yeah, I was just thinking that. I was thinking, actually, I probably could have taken first, second, third, and maybe fourth place. <laughs> um, but I think my ultimate favourite is when I received a university um, letter of acceptance for an agricultural course and they actually stated that although there was nothing in my application that suggested that I had any interest in agricultural studies they'd still accept me um, and that was because I'd actually meant to apply for the nursing course um, but somehow clicked the wrong one. (laughs) I think that's that's quite an achievement to be able to get into a course about agricultural development I think it was and I'd written a personal statement all about nursing wow and you didn't even end up as a nurse anyway I hear no I didn't end up as a nurse I actually heard a better one than that which one did you hear I heard something about some skateboarding oh yeah now that was that that is pretty amazing oh yeah so you can have two entries we'll let you off as you didn't want to come on we'll let you off what's your second entry Um, so we'd we'd just gone back to australia we'd come back for for christmas and i think we just got these new skateboards because that's what we felt people do in australia they skateboard um and i think i was just about to turn 30 or just turned 30 and it was on my list of things to accomplish by the time i was 30 and so we'd been out skateboarding all day me remy and the big two kids and um i woke up the next morning and my remy turned to me and was like you are never going to believe this. And I was like, what is going on? And apparently, according to Remy, and I've got vaguely some recollection of this, um, he woke up in the middle of the night and I was standing on the mattress with one leg forward and my arms out going, whoa, and like moving around the, not moving around the bed, but like moving Balancing? Yeah, balancing. As if you were balancing yeah, as on if a skateboard. I was, yeah. And um, I was dreaming that I was skateboarding and I was actually standing up in bed skateboarding going, whoa. <laughs> um, to which you like laughed at me for a while and then woke me up and I had this vague feeling of like, what am I doing standing up on the bed? Um, so yeah, That's I forgot about brilliant. that brilliant. No alcohol no, Take not it. alcohol induced no. at all. Oh, like, that no, is no influence apart from I'd done a lot of skateboarding that day. Well, there we are. Then we'll have to watch you when you uh, do a lot of deep sea diving or gymnastics and see what happens then. That's absolutely hilarious. And I'm sure those listening with us will agree that that story could result in you being in one of the top places of the Hall of Fame. Well, what a place to wrap up today's surgery. And if you want to listen to see any of the other guinea pigs and see whether Karis will be the top contender for our Hall of Fame, then please tune in next time. Thank you for listening into today's heart surgery for guinea pigs. Please come again and join us as we talk to more guinea pigs about finding God in unexpected places. <laughs>